Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, when I read the following quote from Ms. Susan B. Anthony, mm-hmm. early feminist suffrage pro, pro-woman pro lady. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call myself from now on. Pro-woman lady. I'm a pro-woman lady. Uh it made me look at the bicycle that I <laughs> I so badly need to pump the tires up in. It made me look at my bicycle with whole new eyes. Oh, a yeah. quote from Susan B. Anthony quote made you do that. Quote from Susan B. Anthony. She said, a woman on a bicycle is, quote, the picture of free and untrammeled womanhood. Well, I mean, I just, I had no idea. Like when you're riding your bike, you were representing womanhood. I mean, literally emancipation, literally <laughs> emancipation in motion, pedaling, pedaling toward gender parity on two wheels, not three, two. I know you better pump those tires because you got to get out there and represent. I do. I'm going to carry a little picket sign. Women <laughs> vote for women. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, Shiro, I think bicycling has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. In the world. Anything else in the world? A bicycle? Can you believe that? Well, I, I couldn't until I did the research for this episode. And it's it's pretty impressive that bicycles did so much for the ladies. Well, because women had to fight their way onto the bike. Because first of all, before the bike, we had horses that women could get around on. Which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And some people found that wasn't very ladylike to have a woman straddling a horse. Right. Because by straddling a horse, that would um, perhaps agitate her her sexual... Her lady parts. Her lady parts. And she would <laughs> have lady parts. impure thought. Yeah. Hence, she would have to wear or have to ride side saddle. Right. So straddling a bike... That Ooh. was also out of the question. Yeah, even even little girls back in Victorian era were discouraged from even straddling a hobby horse. I know. Because it might kind of start getting them thinking impure thoughts at a young age. So I guess, could you hobby horse side saddle? No, it would not be any fun. <laughs> it would not be fun at all. But do not underestimate these headstrong Victorian women. Yeah, and, and uh, women love a good fad, and there was no bigger fad. <laughs> There's no bigger fad in the 1890s than bicycles. People had bicycle fever. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, bicycles were everywhere in the U.S. because your other option was a horse. This didn't smell as bad. Uh, bikes you didn't have poop. to feed it. Bikes don't, bikes don't poop. So people were like, oh, we're going to get behind these bicycles. But, you know, the, the early designs of bicycles, uh, were pretty, pretty hard to handle. Mm-hmm. Like there was one bike that had like a really big front wheel and a really small back wheel. Mm-hmm. Those in particular, really only women in like circus sideshows rode. So that didn't help the cause of, of letting your woman out of the house <laughs> to ride a bike. But when bicycles got really popular, it was thanks to a new design of a bike that would uh, pretty close to the bikes we have today with wheels of two equal sizes. Yes, they were referred to as safety bikes. And people were saying, hey, you know. It's so easy for the men. I think I think a lady could ride that bike. A lady could ride that bike, but maybe not so easily when she is wearing at least 
seven pounds of undergarments. And we talked about this in the podcast about bikinis and mm-hmm. swimming, about how it used to be really dangerous for women to go out wading because they would be, they would, they would be weighted down by pounds and pounds and pounds of clothes and actual weights on the hems of their dresses to make sure they didn't balloon out and reveal a an ankle. An ankle. Ankles were very scandalous. Ooh. And so that's that was one of the main ways that they kept women from getting on these bikes was saying, hey, you've got too many clothes on for this. Yes. Thanks to a letter published by the Rational Dress Society, which I think I might start a new t- chapter of. That'd be fun. Yes. In 1888, they said that the maximum weight of underclothing without shoes should not exceed seven pounds. They, the, the Rational Dress Society was like... Come on, people. Just seven pounds. It's seven pounds. No more. I mean, I don't think all the clothes I'm wearing now weigh seven pounds. And that was just their undergarments. Right. And beyond that, they had to uh, make it acceptable for women to wear bloomers. Mm -hmm. They were kind of like oversized culottes. And people thought it would be a gateway garment to like the scandalous things that prostitutes were wearing. I mean, how can we let women wear these things that still cover all available skin? Mm -hmm. Because as soon as they put those on, I mean, who knows what will happen? Well, I mean, you could say that it was a gateway garment towards menswear becoming more fashionable for women. Because with bloomers, we have the evolution of women in trousers Mm -hmm. and things like that. But, yeah, it took a wardrobe revolution for women to be able to get on those bicycles and pedal toward emancipation. So bicycles just look so fun. They're like, you know what? I don't care if I've got seven pounds of underwear on. And that that's the lightest thing I've ever worn in my life. I'm going to get on this bike and uh, bike makers accommodated them, you know, sort of changing the design with that lower bar that we still have today so mm-hmm. that it'd be easier for all those skirts to get on. And women were like, woohoo, this is fun. And I'm still wearing all these clothes. So let's 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 uh, let go of this this, you know, hang up we all have about this. Not so fast, women. Not so fast. It was not all fun games in the early days of bicycles. I mean, and who knew that bicycles had such a storied history? Check this out. Emma Eads, one of the first women to ride a bike in London, was attacked with bricks and stones because people were so outraged at the idea of this woman being on being on two wheels pedaling in a public space. They yelled at her to go home where she belonged and put on more clothes. Put on more pounds of underwear. But gradually, people started to accept the fact that, okay, maybe this is not the end of morality as we know it. They sure weren't happy about it because got to remember those impure thoughts. If you're leaning on a bicycle seat in just the right way. Well, because of that, perhaps, organizations such as the Cyclist Chaperone Association popped up that would allow gentle women of good social position to conduct ladies on bicycle excursions and tours. But not just anyone could get into the Cyclist Chaperone Association. You needed to be over 30 uh, or a widow, well, a widow or unmarried over 30. And then you also needed three personal references, two from ladies of unquestionable social position and another, get this, from a clergyman. I know. If you're going to restart the Rational Dress Society, I might restart the uh, Chaperone Society, uh, Chaperone's Association, because uh, I kind of like rules. Yeah. So it'd be fun to enforce all these rules, and I'd make up new ones about the new criteria to qualify. But yeah, but Molly, they, everyone can ride a bike now. <laughs> they needed, well, they were so scared that these ladies riding bikes would accidentally meet, like, young gentlemen. 
You know, yeah, they, and they, with the straddling, I mean, God oof. knows what would happen. So yeah, they needed uh, these elderly ladies to kind of watch over the young bicycling mm-hmm. women in their crazy gateway garments. Um, but anyway, like we said, bicycling was a huge craze, and eventually more and more women riding, uh, even with or without the chaperones. People said, "Hey, the world's not going to pieces." So I guess yeah. it's okay that women are bicycling, and it seems that they've been able to leave the house uh, wearing fewer clothes, and, and the world hasn't exploded yet. So in that way, yes, bicycling was this this way to get women out of their homes, their yeah. Victorian homes, wearing a little little less clothing, mm-hmm. and proving to these men with these outdated ideas of Victorian womanhood that, hey, the ladies can handle the bicycles. Yeah, they can get out of the house on we'll their let own. Them keep them. Yeah. Even in uh, in Saudi Arabia, where women aren't allowed to drive cars, it's a big deal that they can get on their bikes, though, and get out of the house and get down the road. Can I just tell you, Chris, and we were talking about this yesterday, the scariest woman you ever saw on a bike, the Wicked Witch of the West, before she becomes the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, yeah. Molly sent me a, a, a photo of a movie still from Wizard of Oz. In the beginning, when the the witch is just you know the lady on the bike, and I don't know what it was, but that old lady on that bike really, really got to me as a kid. She was scary. A green witch I could handle, but a a meerman on a bike, stay away. She had so much power. Maybe that's what we didn't realize at the time was that bicycle was a sign of power, mm. and that's why <laughs> she was so scary. Uh, so moving forward, though, now. Now it's okay that every, a lot of people are biking. Uh, it's not such a big deal that women are on bikes. But even though today uh, it's totally fine, at least in the States, you know, if you and I want to hop on our bike, but we're not going to do it, at least not as much as guys do, no. statistically. No, let me throw a statistic at you. Men in the U.S. make three times as many trips by bicycle than women, according to research by John Putcher, a professor of urban planning at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. So... Especially in a big city yeah, where, you know, your options are maybe like subway, walking, bike. They're saying the men are the ones picking the bike and women are the ones taking another method, despite the fact that biking is good for the environment, it's good for your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the women who like to bike aren't taking a bike to work, for example. They're saying, you know, on bike trails, in Central Park, and big parks, you'll see plenty of women on bikes. Yeah, just for exercise, though. But they won't use it as a way to get around. Unless we hop over to Europe, go to someplace like Copenhagen, basically the biking capital of the entire globe. And you have women in skirts and heels biking along, looking pretty as a picture. Yeah. Ain't no thing. And they're saying that this is one of the hangups that women in the U.S. might have compared to those European women is... Somehow women in Europe have gotten this message that it's okay to wear their skirts and high heels and bike and still get there safely. And in the U.S., you know, I think there's such a market that's grown up around biking and all the accessories you need that women seem to think that they have to wear, you know, the spandex shorts and have all this equipment when people are saying, hey, just get on your bike and ride. Well, and we're, (laughs) get on your bike and ride. (laughs) We are, we're also not supposed to be sweaty with helmet hair either. You know, I mean, I think it's just like different cultural factors and our cities are far less bike friendly. You know, I mean, it's just like we're, we're still, we're still having to catch up. But then in terms of professional biking, you know, we got people like Lance Armstrong, but where are the ladies? And there are equivalents. They're there are plenty there. of female cyclists who can ride as fast as lightning strikes. 
Yeah. But, you know, whereas a man who is a professional cyclist, you know, he makes probably a minimum of like Mm $45,000. According to the New York Times, the minimum for a a professional female cyclist is going to be just like the jersey on her back and the bike under her. Yeah. You know, the men are getting paid so much. I mean, this is true of all women's sports, but the men are making so much more. They have so much more sponsorship support that they're saying that, you know, for a young girl who wants to take this love of bicycling even further, the, the opportunities are pretty limited, despite the fact that, you know, the U.S., around the world, there are really great cycling teams who just aren't the events for them. Right. And there aren't, uh, there, there's not the money there. So it's kind of interesting that, especially uh, that urban perspective, Kristen, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, as cities want to encourage biking more because mm-hmm. it is so much better for the environment and for our, for exercise purposes. And it's that, enjoyable. That cities really do need to take into account female needs when designing these bike paths. Um, that, you know, if you really do, if a city planner really wants to get more people out of their cars, he's got to consider what will make a woman feel safe enough to ride her bike mm-hmm. in downtown, you know, Manhattan, downtown Seattle, downtown Atlanta. Right. There, there was even one, uh, article from the New York Times. They were just interviewing people from this one kind of bike education course and they have different levels of courses, A, B, C, uh, with A being the easiest and C being the hardest teaching people how to bike around Manhattan, which I cannot even imagine how you would do that. Uh, but just anecdotally, so many more women will automatically sign up for the easiest course, whereas men uh, far outnumber women in the hardest course. And I don't necessarily know what that means. I'm not I saying... Think we're not, you know what I think it means? What? I think it means that we've forgotten that this is our freedom machine <gasps> towards emancipation. We forgot Susan B. Anthony. I think we have. I think that, you know... You see so many aggressive male cyclists on the street, on city streets, that you think, I can't keep up with that. But the fact of the matter is we could. We I could. think, you know, yes, we might be more averse to risk. But if once we learn how to manage that risk, which is what those groups that you're talking about teach you how to do, then we need to just keep pedaling towards gender equality. And I would say that when I'm out and about just in the neighborhoods, even in Atlanta, that mm-hmm. is not, you know, the bikiest city in the world, uh... I'd say I see fairly equal numbers of guys and girls out on bikes. Yeah. You know, women, there are plenty of women who are speeding past me as I'm sitting and <laughs> backed up at a traffic light, in my hatchback. So, yeah, I think that, you know, all it takes is that confidence to get out there and mix it up with the guys. But maybe we have been living in Lance Armstrong world for too long and we think of biking as a really male occupation. But Molly, let's, uh, let's get a little serious for a second. Okay. Sometimes if you bike for a long time, even just like if you take a spin class. Yeah. The seat is not necessarily kind to your seat, if you know what I'm saying. That's a nice way to put it, Kristen, because yes, there are specific just physical elements we need to talk about if you are a lady cyclist, because it can hurt your vagina. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, it can hurt. It can hurt your vagina. (laughs) There's uh, there's the friction uh, some women have written in and we're not kidding around folks. Uh, there's issues with saddle soreness, mm-hmm. crotchitis, yeast infections from moisture getting trapped in there. Numb genitals. Numb genitals. Oh man. What are we supposed to do, Molly? Well, this goes on and on, but luckily people have figured out some ways to cure these women only issues because we caught it. We can't well, let Susan not, B. Anthony down. It's not women only because some of them are. Yeah. I mean, clearly guys probably aren't having yeast infection problems related to cycling. 
<laughs> but no, there are solutions. Let's start with saddle sores and just general like pressure on the bike. What you need is some good lubricant. Yeah. Don't think that just lubricant has to be limited to Kristen's laughing at me. It doesn't have to be limited to the bedroom. Lubricant can help you when you are bicycling. This is perhaps one of the most surprising bits of advice I have ever learned in researching for stuff I've never told you. The recommendation, yes, for lady cyclist, lady cyclist to lube up before they pedal away <laughs> toward yeah, like, emancipation. Especially on the, on the upper inner thighs mm-hmm. where you're rubbing together a lot. Cycling shorts, invest in them and don't wear underwear under them. Go commando. Yeah, because all that friction mm-hmm. is going to hurt, hurt down there. Um, and good hygiene. Yeah. After you take a ride, take off the cycling take shorts, off shorts, take a good shower, rub the lube off. <laughs> Put on some <laughs> cotton breathable underwear. And, uh, we should also point out that it's, you know, our, our vaginas are not just particularly prone to cycling injury. Male genitals also have issues. They, it, cycling has been linked to genital sensitivity, erectile dysfunction, and numbness in men, too. So this is a gender equal issue. Yeah. You know, bikes can be, they, they can be hard on your nether regions, so we all got to watch out for it. But, you know, maybe we just wouldn't think of, I mean, I never thought of, you know, lubing up <laughs> before you go on a bike ride. I think, I think what the takeaway is here, Kristen, maybe this is going to be a stretch. Is that, yes, there are issues with biking. It can be scary in a big city to bike. It can hurt your vagina to bike. But we've got to give credit to the freedom machine, as early feminists called it, because it really did help us equalize out things. It Mm -hmm. got women out of the house. Yeah. In the 1890s, the good, proper women stayed in their homes all the time. And if they went anywhere, it it was with a man. So the bicycle got us out, and that kind of... Freedom Machine can withstand a little scares on city streets and a yeah. little crotchitis. Don't be, yeah, don't be scared of helmet hair and crotchitis. There are remedies for both. Embrace it. Embrace it. Get a, get out on that two-wheeled beast and ride. <laughs> and in the meantime, now that we've probably freaked everyone out with thoughts of lubricant and commando cycling shorts, send us some emails. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And I have one here from Allison about the Dr. Gender podcast. She writes, I have always felt way more comfortable going to see women doctors for all my doctor needs, including dentists. I mentioned this to my mother one day, and she said that she felt that that was her fault. When I asked her what she meant, she explained that growing up, she wanted my sisters and I to have strong women role models. So she brought us to see only women doctors. Only recently have I been more comfortable with the idea of seeing male doctors, but really only as a last resort. If a woman doctor is available, I will go see her before a man doctor any day. It's something to think about for when I have my own children. Isn't that kind of interesting how she was just trying to expose her daughter to female role models and now it's affected her whole life? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, slippery slopes. I've got an email here from Rick and his, his email really gave me a chuckle. He says, my primary care doctor is a woman and wonderful, bright, thoughtful and thorough and not least because she has small hands with long slender fingers and is great 
at prostate check time and a far cry from my last male doctor who possessed an index finger that felt about the size of a tuna can doing the same procedure. So there we go. One aspect of female doctors we had not thought about. That is true. The slender fingers <laughs> of lady doctors. Perfect for uh, prostate checks. So if you have any emails to send our way, it's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. We'd love to see you over on Facebook as well. Head over there and like us, comment, you know, do do all sorts of things that you do on that crazy website. And then you can follow us on Twitter as well. We are at momstuffpodcast. And then lastly, during the week, you can check out our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?